Hello, folks. Welcome back. We have reached the quarter century mark, episode 25. Today is March 13th. Um, hey, we're, we're gaining some steam here. Hi. We've got, we've got over 500 followers on Instagram. Thank you, guys. And we have reached the charts. We, we are in the charts now. That we are, I'm getting notifications that we are, we, are, uh, we are getting counted on the iTunes and Spotify charts. So we appreciate you all for listening. And we just hope that you want to, uh, want to share today's episode if, if you like what you hear going into the weekend. So we're going to dive right into it right now. Random question of the day, Heim. Who are your top three commercial characters? Uh, it could be from a specific commercial or like an entire brand like Flow or the Geico Gecko. Let's go top three. I'm going to go first. Mine is the ultimate, the old fisherman from Geico. I got a dollar for you. <laughs> that. Classic. I had forgotten about that one. That one will never get old to me. Even how many times they play it doesn't matter who you got first pick first pick for me i'm going the mayhem dude from the all stained commercials yeah mr mayhem mr mayhem yep love that guy i wonder if he does his own stunts that would be if he does kudos kudos to him that'd be excellent yeah that propane explosion one is is a serious the tailgater propane <laughs> my favorite is when he's uh Hi, I'm a 16-year-old girl, and I just got my license, and he's driving, like, the pink car and just wrecking people in the parking lot. <laughs> or, he's, or he's the GPS, and he's, like, laying in the oh, guy's yeah. dash. He's, like, left. No, right. I mean, right. <laughs> and he, like, turns the wrong way, and he's all laughing at him. <laughs> yeah. I, that's how the GPS does feel sometimes. You're like, whoa, yep. hold on. <laughs> get swung around and you got to like okay flip one you're like okay you turn around again like nope do it again <laughs> you, you are actually going the right way who you who you got for your number two number two uh this one yeah i'm going peyton manning uh with the he's got all kinds yes. of commercials that he's in i can't necessarily nail one down he's got the ones with uh the country singer it's not a not keith urban who's the other one uh tim mcgraw not Tim McGraw. It's the one other guy. They're, I mean, they all sound the same to me. But you guys know what I'm talking about. They make the uh, they make the little jingle, you know, and they've got a little team that they're talking about doing and stuff. So Peyton Manning, surprisingly very good actor. He's up there with all-time commercial actors. I love the Peyton Manning Sports Center commercial where he's walking down the hall with Eli and he like kicks it like you know he like back kicks yes. him in the butt. <laughs> Yep. That's like, I, and you know what, what's great about that one is I, I totally think he does that in real life, like For at their sure. family dinners. Yeah. Ultimate it, prankster. Manning would have to be, well, this is a list for another day, but he would definitely be like top five people I'd want to have dinner with just because the stories, he seems like he loves to have fun. So yeah, I, li I like that pick. Um, number two for me, I'm going to go with the King from the, uh, from the BK commercials. Doesn't okay. say much, doesn't say much, but uh, I feel like he has really good presence, really, yeah, really brings, commands the room. Brings strong vibes, makes you want a burger. 
Yeah, I, I see that. That's a good one. Dress like a king, all the exactly. above. Exactly. All right, final pick for me. Mm. I'm probably going Keebler Elf. Uh, I love those cookies. Ooh. Yeah, yeah, the Keebler Elf. He's, he's got some decent zingers. I mean, he could have some better lines. I was also thinking uh, the general insurance for great great low rates you can Go get to online. the general and save some time. Yep, you know that one. That that one, they did a great job of making that that jingle like stick with you. So uh, yes. I, I, they're honorable mention for me, but I'm going uh, Keebler Elf. Um, mostly just because I love cookies. Keebler Elf dominates in that game. Can't go wrong with cookies. Uh, number three for me, this is a little bit of an old school one. I have not seen him in a hot minute, but oh, oh no, Kool-Aid man. When he just busts through the bust through the house and just yes. smashes it there. <laughs> Lies through the I, uh, Yes, you're just like, oh, man. Uh, plus, the Dane Cook talking about that is something 16-year-old me thought was really funny. I'm almost 30 now. I still think it's really funny. Uh, probably going to be 60 and still laughing. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Last sure. place for me, I don't know if you thought about who your least favorite uh, commercial character is, but that's got to be Flo for me from Progressive. Yeah. I'm sure she's a very nice woman in real life, but I don't, uh, man, I, I don't know what it is, but I don't like her. I don't like yep. her. Who was, who was before Flo? Wasn't it another like not likable person that was doing the progressive commercials. Yes, I think so. Yeah, I feel like all the but progressive. I don't who it was? Yeah, I remember they passed the torch to Flo. Um, who was that? Quick uh, Google search here. Do, 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 do. Not Jamie. That guy's kind of a little dork too, but. Um, Frick, who was that? Hmm. You know who I'm thinking of, right? It was... Uh... Yeah, I think so, but I can't remember who... I can't remember who it was. Yeah, I'm not getting good good Google uh, Google searching right now. These are guys I've never seen before that they're listing as like the top 10. And I've, I've never yeah. seen any of them. It, it had to be something else, but something similar to that where... Uh, Oh, I know what I'm thinking of. I'm thinking of the uh, William Shatner from the. Oh, oh yeah, um, <laughs> yeah. No, I know what you're talking about. But what he was, uh, and he like died. He was like commercial. Yeah, was he like Enterprise or uh, not Enterprise? Um, like the the like Travelocity or something? Travelocity, Expedia, had to be Expedia, yeah. some one of those, something like that anyways you guys are really enjoying this segment uh maybe we maybe, ran, we maybe drove this one up. straight into the ground but uh, <laughs> it's gonna be it better go folks there. hang with us yeah we had it going there for a good <laughs> hot minute all right what do we got next two one next on the agenda we have some breaking news over the past couple days uh the duke men's basketball team has withdrawn or is now ineligible or Basically, they're not playing anymore in the ACC tournament because people in and around the program have COVID. T-Will, is Coach K just a straight-up coward and is using this to, like, as a cover for them not making the tournament? 100%. Uh, they, Ooh, they have really, no, really? Yes. There's no doubt they were not going to win the tournament this week, this weekend. And 
in my opinion, yeah, Coach K took the coward's way out. He's going to call it the gentleman's way because he's acting like their health is like the number one thing. But I mean, these 19 year olds, it's been pretty, pretty evident that they don't struggle with COVID. I, I know it's got a lot to do with the protocols too, but they have played games in the past where people tested positive for COVID and for the conference championship to like bow out seems pretty cowardly to me. What do you, what do you think about it? Yeah, this, this stinks like coach K just pulled the plug on the season. Basically he's yeah. like, yeah, the second assistant equipment manager has COVID. So yeah, we're going to shut it down. Um, yeah. He's going to, seems like everybody in that program was over it. Yeah, I mean, this is this has been a really rough year for. He had that interaction a couple weeks back where he kind of got into it with like the student reporter. Uh, Coach K is not; it's not looking good for him, man. This has been a rough. This has been a rough a rough year for sure, and he's kind of looking like the villain a lot. So I don't know. I mean, is this the end of this era of Duke basketball, or do you think he gets it back on track in the next couple of years? Because he's pretty old. I mean. Yeah, I think I think we're coming to the end of it. I don't. I think they'll probably get one more good, one or two more good runs in there. Uh, it's going to be different now with with how people can go to the G League and spread their wings a little bit differently and start getting paid right away. I'm sure he, they they receive a nice little uh, nice little stipend from Duke as well while they're playing there. But it's probably not the same kind of money that you're going to get from the G League legally uh, and from the overtime league too. So. Well, we talked about that last weekend, but that's going to be a big, big factor going forward for all the top recruits. Because if I'm a top recruit, why would I want to go fake like I'm going to Duke just to go play basketball for three months when I can just go and actually learn something that's valuable at the overtime league and actually play against the top competition and get ultimate uh, scouting and exposure and experience against some of the best players that you're going to be facing in the future. Will Coach Cake make? Will Coach K make another Final Four before the end of his career? Final Four. Hmm. I mean, I guess. What do you What do you think the odds on something like that would be? I think it's probably like in the plus two, three hundred range, right? Yeah, I don't. I don't think he will, man. Honestly. Yeah, I. I think he's got maybe what three or four years left, like to be generous and. Yeah, statistically, I'm going to say no. I don't. I don't think they're going to make another one. Yeah, Unless, I'm with you. What, what do we have on a uh, last bit on Coach K here? What do we have on Coach K rocking the jet black hair at like damn near 80? Is that boss move or I, I guess you gotta lame? you gotta stay with it now. You, you've gone this far to where you've never shown a black hair. Good point. I, I think you gotta stick with it. it. I mean, I wouldn't personally. I would have already just gone full full silver fox and uh, just just gone with it. But you know, he's got dark uh, like eyebrows and whatnot too so I guess, I guess it matches him a little bit makes him makes him feel younger do you think he dyes his eyebrows probably where do you think coach k goes to get his hair like he doesn't do that at home right i mean no no way he, he, i'm sure he has uh, like a someone come do it for him like at his house or something in home yeah because that's tough with covid now too i mean that's yeah. uh you know coach k is very so, concerned okay. so duke duke basketball we think is trending down yeah, they're duking. Um, who else we got? We I want to talk a little bit of golf this weekend, and then we're going to get the NFL absolute massacre. I, I've got a crazy couple crazy stat lines for that that are going to uh, surprise a lot of people. How many how many people are in free agency right now? But let's talk golf real quick. Uh, Bryson won last weekend, 
And according to Rory, he lives absolutely rent-free in Rory's head right now. Rory came out the other day. They asked him, like, what do, what do you think the reason was you didn't uh, play as good this weekend? He, like, sat there for a good – he took a long time to answer it because he was like, man, if I say this, it's going to be really embarrassing. But you, you could tell it was, like, weighing heavy on him. It's kind of crazy. And he's just like, yeah, the, the distance that Bryson hits it, like, honestly made me make some adjustments that I felt like I needed to make over the last couple days. That's crazy how how much of a factor that really plays into it. Do you think we're going to see more more and more like Bryson DeChambeau guys? Guys who, if you can hit the ball 380 yards straight, guys are just going to start trying to join the tour. And if you can figure out the the short game of it, it's going to be, it's going to honestly like transition how how we look at golf. Yeah, I don't know. So I don't know golf that well, but what I would guess is I think of the current players like the current superstars. I don't think you're going to see many guys. I think if guys try to chase Bryson, it's going to end up kind of like Rory where they lose their swing or they lose what they're able to do. But what I do think you're going to see is the next generation of kids are going to grow up just trying to absolutely drive the shit out of the ball. And because that's their norm versus an adjustment, I think there will be at least a few guys that are able to control it like Bryson does. And yeah, I mean, I think like five, 10 years from now, you're just going to see, Today on the broadcast, David Faraday called him a silverback. He said, "He said it's like it's like playing with a silverback out there, bit of a gorilla." So, yeah, gorilla I, I that can do calculus. <laughs> David Faraday, by the way, just... <laughs> exactly, exactly. <laughs> so, yeah, I do think you're going to see more of it uh, coming coming down the pipe because I mean, it's insane for sure. Yes, definitely. Uh, I. I, I just, as we're talking about Bryson, I just got the update. He is now in first place. Uh, so he's threatening again. If he wins it again this weekend, this is going to be pandemonium for golf because th- they need this guy to yes. keep winning. Yep. Yeah, I, he, he really is. He's huge for golf because he's, he's, uh, he's a super compelling figure. Like people will tune in to watch him. He's a guy who can, I think, fill the void for Tiger a little bit. And if yep. he plays... I mean, we're getting close to the Masters now. He won. He won last week. If he wins the players and then let's say plays well or wins another one, that hype leading into the Masters for for Bryson, it did. We thought it was going to happen this past fall, and it didn't. But I mean, this might be insane, especially to think what he might be able to do to that to that course in Augusta for sure. Definitely, yeah. He got he got bested by it in October, but I think getting to play it in short order gives him a massive advantage. So. Yeah. I'm liking I'm liking that pick. I took I sprinkled a little bit on Rom this morning before he went off, and he is now in fifth. He's two strokes back of the lead, so might not be too Tomorrow's much to get in insane. on Rom. Yeah, so I mean, again, guys, those golf like the going into Saturday or going into Sunday after Saturday, you still get some great odds for guys that are one or two strokes back. So look through those odds, and if you see if you see a guy that you think like is actually gonna going to put together a good round like you got justin thomas lee westwood paul casey rom and dechambeau and then you've got a couple like wild cards that if for some reason those guys go off like i'm gonna butcher this gim g-h-i-m gim is one yeah. stroke back and then no, you've gim. got um a uh, harman as well who's, who's only three strokes back right now with a little bit to play today so if so if those guys like finish strong you can you can sprinkle some on and they're, they're usually anywhere from like 10 to 15 to one odds, which are 
huge for the final day. You know, if they, if they go out and shoot a 64, 65, they, they can win that thing for sure. Yeah, no, absolutely. Plus, I mean, golf's one of those sports where it's all sports are like this, but betting on golf and, and then watching golf, I feel like is it makes it much more awesome. fun. Yes. Even yes. if you got like 10 bucks, it's, it's fun. Mm-hmm. For sure. Definitely. All right, let's go into NFL right now. <laughs> you posed an early, a good question to me earlier. What would, what percent chance if you're playing a straight up round at Sawgrass today, you're playing with, I don't, let's not put you with Bryson because then you're just dwarfed by the 17th hole. You're just absolutely <laughs> demoralized. You get to 17, you got the island hole. It's 150. The green is about like 25 yards long. Very, very tight, very small. What percent chance do you have to stick one on the green? I mean, honestly, if I'm playing in front of all those people and it's on TV, yeah, people, too, people there, you've got cameras on you, everything. So I would say on a normal green, par three, 150, I'm probably like, I don't know, like 50% chance that I hit the green. So yeah, 50 is generous. <laughs> yeah, honestly. <laughs> well, I don't want people to know how bad I am at golf, so I had to hype it up. But um, probably 3% for me at Sawgrass in front of all those people. Uh, I mean, honestly, I would just be worried about hitting the ball in the air at that point. Like, yes. I just don't want to hit a ground ball into the water. Just let what, me hit what, some part of the island, and, I, and that's a win for me. You're you're a pretty good golfer, so what, what percent chance do you give yourself? I'm still going, like, uh, 20. 20%, yeah. Yeah. I, I mean, I'd, I'd really have to be, like, you'd almost have to zone out to be zoned in there. Like, yeah. you have to just, like, okay, just – look at the ball and hit it and don't even worry about it. If you're like aiming super hard and like, let the moment get to you automatic water ball. Yeah. Guaranteed. And then, so piggybacking off that. So PJ tour conditions Sunday at Sawgrass, you're playing in like a mid round group. What, what are you shooting there? You got to play from the tips. They're in the tough pin, tough pins. PGA rough. What, what do you think you could shoot? Um, depending on the caddy, it, how, how well they know me, I'm going like if I shoot good, high 80s. If I'm lucky, uh, and probably like an average day, I'm I'm close to like high 90s, mid to high 90s. I'm guessing. Yeah, I don't think there's. I mean, I wish this wasn't true, but there's absolutely zero percent chance I'm breaking 100. If I'm playing like PGA, PGA tour setup there. And honestly, I think probably for me, the number's probably 110. Like I gotta keep it under under 110. Yeah. That's <laughs> just with how hard it's set up. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. I mean, something to build on. Cause those those bunkers are just absolutely brutal and the rough is like so much harder than what we're used to. Yeah, it'd be it'd be quite challenging. I I'd, I'm I'm being like probably way too full of myself saying I'd be I'd be in the nineties, but I've, I've played a couple like PGA level courses. And I can, I'm right I think, I think, you, I think you keep it in the nineties for sure. Especially if you're yeah. playing well. Yeah. Yeah. You've seen me stroke it a little bit, but either way that, and so just to put that in perspective too, if you were to shoot 90, like if you think some, it's like some days, especially you'll be like, Oh, I'm dialed in. I'm hitting great shots. If you shot a 90 on tour, you'd be, you'd be getting beat by 25 strokes a day. 
So you'd probably lose <laughs> – you'd, you'd lose the round. Like, you'd lose if you got to play all four days by 100 strokes, to put it in perspective of how good these guys are. Insane. Absolutely Wild. insane. Yeah, that's, that's, that's a mind-blowing stat when you realize how good they actually are at golf, to be able to shoot in 60s four straight days on one of those courses. Just nuts. Now on to more pressing issues. We've got NFL Massacre Week happening here. There was tons of guys restructured, um, sent to free agency. Here's a stat for you that I mentioned earlier I was going to share. There are 63, 63 uh, linemen who started a game last year who have become free agents this year. Insane. Yes. So on average, that's two per team. So yeah. shake up. Yes, that's going to completely shake up and paradigm shift for the actual the, for the offensive lineman market. And not, not that it was like booming before, but now these teams that have to get under the cap that need linemen, obviously, they're going to these some of these guys are going to have to take an absolute haircut compared to what they were probably expecting to make two, three, four years ago with with how it's going now by paying the receivers, the quarterbacks the defensive ends now those linemen kind of kind of have to take a back seat which it sucks because they are extremely valuable we saw in the super bowl how the chiefs without those two starting linemen they were a completely different team mahomes was running for his life and just to throw another crazy stat in there six of those 63 were from the chiefs wow that is yes. crazy so almost not they I think three of them are starters and three of them were guys who started in games. So they've got they've got a massive, massive hole now at the offensive line position. And I, I guess I was maybe just naive to it all earlier. I didn't really look into the futures of how it was, but I've talked earlier on like how you oh you can build anything around the homes. I think I'm like transitioning my stance on that a little bit, knowing that if he's out there with like two legitimate starting offensive linemen and three that they had to just pick up to to be serviceable yeah either that or they're gonna have to draft really really well and hopefully they get two two starting linemen in this year's draft which is i don't know if that's been done in a long long time so that the chiefs might be in a little bit more danger as opposed to going like 14 and 2 and just kind of cruising the whole season so I'm 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 interested to see what happens with the Chiefs, especially. Uh, but you still got the Saints that are minus 38 in, in cap space, so they've got some they've got some more some more trimming to do. I'm guessing. And Drew Brees, let's know if he retires, he's dead cap space, so that's still a 22 million dollar hit whether he plays or not. So if you're the Saints, do you want him back to play, or you, you just say it's it's time, buddy? I think it's time. He's he's totally washed. It's it's uh I think everyone loves Drew Brees, but I don't want to watch him struggle again. Yeah, with those like seven yard passes not being able to get to their hands it was tough. Yeah. But with all these guys getting, you know, cut because of the cap, let's talk about I mean, this is gonna create some serious opportunities, right? Because we got it in our notes here. The Jaguars have a ton of cap space, a team England. that we both talked about liking potentially coming into this next year the Bengals have a lot of cap space too and they're they're a team that i felt like was moving in the right direction so we'll see what they do washington has a lot of cap space the patriots have 56 million dollars in cap space and you i mean you got to think a lot of these veterans 
that have been cut, especially if they're going to have to pick a, take a pay cut. Maybe they want to go play, uh, especially if they're coming from a bad franchise. Maybe they want to go be a part of the, the Patriot system and play for the uh, play under that coaching staff. The Colts, $64 million cap space. The Jets have 70. They'll probably give it to like a punter. So that won't really matter. Uh, and then you've got a you've got a few teams with about 25 Cleveland, San Francisco, and then Los Angeles, uh, the Chargers. So, yeah, I mean, what what do you what do you like looking looking to see out of those teams, or who do you think is going to take best advantage of that? I think a team that sticks out to me right now is the Los Angeles Chargers. They've got 25 million in cap space, and they didn't have. I mean. They, they have, like, decent weapons on the outside with Mike Williams and uh, Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen is way better than decent. I should give him more credit than that. He's he's an incredible receiver. But they have room to add on. And if you add some protection for Herbert, you now you have your guy on his rookie contract. So a team like the Chargers should be going for it this year, and they should sign a couple defensive starters. I, I think at least, like, one or two defensive starters and – another lineman for sure. And then they should probably bolster themselves a running back too. And there's a lot of, lot of good free agents out there that they can probably get for very, very cheap right now. So I, I like the position the chargers are in, they're trending up. And another team that stuck out to me is the Colts, the Colts. And we'll, we'll go back to the Patriots too, because they just signed Cam Newton, but let's the Colts right now. They they're very balanced. I mean, as far as looking at their roster, they're, they're really, really good already. And they were kind of like they were at that ceiling last year with just their quarterback ability. They weren't able to what's the word I'm looking for? They they weren't able to get over that hump with their current quarterback. I mean, I don't know if Wentz changes anything there, but if they want to, they can still go after a couple different things. And if you really build around Wentz, I mean, two years ago, we wouldn't have even considered having this conversation saying like if Wentz was on the Colts, would they not be good? But here we are. I think, I think if Wentz gets some some protection and they can add another weapon or two, they're going to be a very dangerous team. Yeah, no, def. I. Uh, how many games do you think the Colts can win with Wentz? What's their upside? If they're or playing, let's, really let me well. put it this way: if the let's let's do this, let's say their over under for win total is nine and a half. I don't know what it is, but I'm guessing that's probably around where it's at. Is that an over and under for you? I'm going to take the over there on it. I think they get into double digits. I think, I think even with can, Carson. Yeah. Um, yeah, I definitely think so. I know Brissett is on the market, but they should add another, like Wentz is the perfect guy that you actually do need a good backup for. Like the Eagles did it right. Those years when they had Foles. And he was able to fill in. So I think I think they go with the same kind of blueprint as the Eagles did. And you can get a elite backup quarterback like a Winston or um, there's a, there's a couple different guys out there that they can go for. I'm blanking on some names right now, but there's there's a bunch of guys that they can essentially go for that can be a good to above average backup, especially if Wentz starts seeing that regression that he saw last year you can even mix it up and go with one of those guys. And I don't think they'd lose, they'd lose a whole lot of, of ability and potential from losing Wentz either. So I, I really like what the Colts, their position is in right now. And they're in arguably one of the weakest divisions in football. So they have a chance to win at least, I mean, four to five games based on playing Jacksonville, Houston, uh, Tennessee, 
and Indy, right? And so they're they're playing six. What's it? Six games against. Yeah, not so great teams against. Yeah, two teams that are very below average that you should be able to sweep. But yeah, I, I like where they're at for sure. Yeah, I agree with you there. I mean, I think. Uh... Yeah, it was bad last year. We'll we'll see what it looks like this year. But I'm I'm uh, I'm not holding my breath on that. So. For what sure. uh what else NFL did you want to get into too, Willie? Um, so I, I keep hearing I, I, this might just be just something that popped into my head. I keep hearing that the Bears are like actively pursuing Russell Wilson, but I keep looking into like what they possibly have to offer, and I don't see any situation in which this works out as, as far as getting him there. I mean, the Seahawks aren't just gonna like let him go for nothing, and they're they're for sure gonna get better offers from other other teams if if they're still shopping him which we believe that they are but it's it's pretty unclear it, they're both uh they're both being kind of kind of vague about what's going on why do you say that about the bears do they not have a lot of picks or because the main the main like package for russell wilson i'm assuming is going to be around like draft picks right it, yeah it's got to be picks and i mean i feel like you got to get some kind of value that you can throw in there because i mean this i don't i couldn't tell you who the seahawks backup at any position is let alone let alone quarterback but i i think they yeah the, the bears have a tough spot because i mean they're going to be taking on a massive cap hit if they get Russ wilson and they don't have a ton yeah. to work with uh, yeah I, i'm not really seeing i guess a three-way trade is something that they have to try to consider where whether they slide the picks in from somewhere else and they they can somehow wrangle Russell Wilson out of it. But yeah, it's, I'm sure they're trying to make a phone call to every single team to see if they'll work with them. But I, I, yeah. I think at this point we would have heard, we would have heard more steam from, from Chicago if they're actually going to get him. Do you think Russell Wilson is the Seahawks quarterback on the first game of the year? Mm. Yes, I think he is. I, I don't know if, I don't know if they're going to figure out a deal for him. I, I, well, it's going to be weird though when he walks back into the locker room and he's been kind of slinging poo at everyone in there, like Coach Carroll, the line, like yeah. acting like they had no run game. Which, in his yeah. defense, those things all do hold some kind of water. They're all somewhat true, but I, I think it's a much better situation than what he would like to figure out if you were to go to Chicago or Houston or Carolina, like all the all the teams that are prospects for him. I think uh, the, the grass isn't always greener on the other side as, as to what Russ Wilson thinks. Yeah, I see. I kind of disagree with you. I think that uh, – I think he's played his last game in Seattle. I just think that it's – there's too much – there's too much smoke for there not to be a fire. And I think – I really think that it's uh, – I think it's like a Brady-Belichick situation where we don't really know how bad that relationship is between Carroll and Russell Wilson. For Russell Wilson, a guy who especially never says – anything in the media to come out and say this stuff. I think there's a very like clear agenda behind it. And he's trying to uh, push his way out. Plus, I mean, maybe he's Sierra, going, like he's going deep state on us and pushing out some, some uh, subliminal messages. Yeah, I think, I think so. I mean, I, I don't even know how like subliminal he got when you say like, yeah, when you throw your line under the bus, that's pretty much yeah. the final straw, right? For sure. And Pete Carroll strikes me as the type of guy who you, well, you saw it last year where they did, 
they let Russ cook and then he pulled that back real quick. So to me, he seems like a type of guy that doesn't really want to have a court, like a big time superstar quarterback. He thinks they can win with just more of like, uh, like a game manager type guy. So I don't know. We'll, we'll see. But that if Russell Wilson moves, that's going to be a really interesting, uh, like if he goes to Las Vegas with the Raiders, Ooh. I mean, I don't know that that would be, cause that's one of the potential locations that he said he would accept a trade to. So It'd be, like it'd be to interesting see there, to see. Yeah, Sierra yeah, can get sure. like a show on the strip too. And I mean, it works out for everyone. Yep. I like that. So we decided we've made a executive decision. We're not going to talk too much college hoops before everything is settled. But on Monday, you're going to hear our madness predictions. We'll fill out some brackets and post them. And then we're going to get into, we're going to talk a little bit of March Madness right now with just Jawan Howard. Uh, kind of going at the Maryland coach the other day. What was it about halfway through the second half? And the coaches kind of start chirping each other. And I, I feel like this should be happening more where coaches kind of go at each other, especially because body language is like such a big deal. Now, when you're wearing the mask, you can't really tell what, like when someone's talking to me from more than 10 feet away, I cannot tell what they're saying. when They've got their mask on. Yeah, so no, no I'm shot. assuming on a basketball court, it's 10 times worse than that. So I've, I'm kind of surprised there's not more coaches kind of getting a little chippy with each other. If even it just like just a bad look could, could trigger you and just be like, all right, we're about to go right now. So what do you, yeah. you think about Jawan Howard? Well, just for anyone that didn't see it, right, Jawan Howard, head coach at uh, Michigan basketball, he, they're playing Maryland in the tournament. And, and uh, there's history this year. The, the previous two times they played, the games got chippy. There was a, uh, some like technical fouls on both sides. Yep. So yeah, basically Juwan Howard kind of lost his cool with the, uh, with the Maryland head coach and had to be held back, ended up getting like double technical and then ejected from the game. Uh, Dude, this was like, it just made me think, like you said, like if you were playing, if you were playing for Juwan Howard, would you, if this happened, would you be kind of disappointed and like, man, this is a big distraction for us. And we're trying to win a game. And our head coach is like, can't keep his composure and is getting thrown out or and this is kind of how i feel i'd be i'd be kind of fired up about it to see man he's like he's not taking any bs from anybody and he's he's really sticking up for our guys and just just to see that passion and like how much how much he cares for sure i think you and i are both football guys at heart like how we were obviously we played baseball and that was like our our passion when we were growing up but our mentality was a lot like football you know i i'm whenever we're fired up is when we actually perform the best so i would I'm going with you there. I would say I'd be I'd be juiced if my coach was uh number one defending anything that might have happened between the players, but for you to go after the other coach and kind of let him know that you're not a, not scared of him in any way or form. I, I like yeah. that a lot. I think Jawan Howard uh is he is he prob arguably like the scariest coach that you would like fight right now? Like is he top dog as far as coaches if they were to do a king of the hill? Like I'm pretty sure Jawan Howard probably handle anybody right uh just just basketball or all yeah, just hoops coaches just hoops coaches he's got to be towards the top of the list right i mean he came straight out of it, south side of chicago inner city uh also on in that video if you see too i mean he's the tallest guy on the like michigan he's doesn't even have a player out there. Taller than yeah him. yeah he's the biggest dude out there even if he is the coach so yeah i would i would not be quick to mess with uh to mess with jawan howard um, for sure yeah and I think and I don't even know too like 
is Jawan Howard playing uh, playing chess? And this is just a move to get his guys really fired up and and dialed in for the tournament. Uh, I know they lost today, so maybe that was a stupid Backfired thing a little today. bit. But um, yeah, I love I love to see it, man. I I I, uh, I just thought that was really cool to see Jawan Howard getting after it and then pretty much owning it afterwards and saying, yeah, man, like, you know, this guy's talking to me like that. I got, I got pissed off and I came at him a little bit. So yeah, you got to defend your turf. For sure. For sure. I thought that, I thought that was pretty refreshing to see. Definitely. All right. What we got last one, we're going to talk they finally made some rule changes in the major leagues, but they're going to implement them in the minor leagues first. So yeah, small little, little clap for them. Finally, you guys are making some kind of adjustments. A little bit is what we talked about. I didn't, the one I didn't see coming was the bigger bases. And what is that? What is that? I don't understand. What's the so point? So apparently it likes it, it's going to help avoid like collisions at the base. Uh, when there's like, when you're stealing or sliding into a base, you've got more surface area, I guess, to, to be able to like grab the bag. Um, they should put some little handles on it. Wouldn't that be cool? If they had like little <laughs> something you can like grab onto and hook while you're sliding and like really get out there, just grab it by like a finger. That's pretty wild, actually. I never thought about that. Yeah, that'd be that. Yeah, you'd just tripping all over the uh, Yeah, yeah. So bigger bases. What else? What else we got coming? We had bigger bases, so that's going to get implemented at the double A level. I want to say so. It, yeah, I guess that one's just kind of like. Sure. Well, we, we can do bigger bases. I, I don't know how much of a difference that'll really make. Uh, at another level, they're going to put a limit on the defensive shift, which is what we talked about, which is a, actually a, an important one, in my opinion. I think it, but the, the only thing is with shifts, most of that shift information comes from professional level scouting, the major leagues. Banning it at the minor, minor league level might not reflect the same kind of impact it has as the major league level would, because there's a lot, I guarantee there's a lot more shifting going on in the major leagues, as opposed to the minor leagues, just because of the, the amount and the availability of information that they have. Yeah, that's a good point. Uh, what are they, do you know the specifics behind You can only shift so many times or you can't shift past this inning or what, what exactly was the, uh, was the rule, like the rule change there? Do you know? Pulling it up now. Yeah. So the defensive positioning rule, it says the defensive team must have a minimum of four players on the infield. Uh, most have both feet completely in front of the outer boundary of the infield dirt, which, okay, nice. that was kind of what we said earlier. And then um, it is intended to increase the batting average on balls of play. And the MLB may decide to then require two infields to two infielders to be positioned entirely on each side of second base. So, yeah, it's the 50-50 rule where you can't put three guys on one side of the infield. And that's huge that they're making all the infielders play in the infield. I, so, I love that rule change. I think it's good. They need to get that They need to get that going in uh, Major League Baseball. One thing I thought was interesting, we got on here. So, you're only going to get two pickoff attempts per batter. So, yes. I mean, you can't use, like, so basically they're only going to pick off once and then that second pickoff is only going to happen unless if there's a huge lead, right? Cause if you picked off twice and didn't get them, then the guy's just going to get a massive lead and still for sure. Cause you know, you yeah. can't pick off, right? I mean, yeah, you could just basically like, yeah, you, you literally can just start walking to second base. Right. So basically if you get one pickoff, it's like free reign to steal after that. 
because you know that they're, they're probably not going to use that second one unless it's totally obvious because if they do use it and don't get you, I mean, it's like guaranteed stolen base. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it's definitely going to increase the stolen base attempts, which is cool. It kind of, it kind of helped plays into what we were talking about by the scoring changes. Yeah. So you're going to get a lot more stolen base attempts, which is nice. Um, I, like I don't know it. how yeah. many players are like building themselves up to be stolen base guys. I mean, if this rule like helps that, I, I mean, I guess if, if we're going to see more runs because of it, then count me in, you know, I've, I guess beggars can't be choosers in this in this era of baseball. They're really, I mean, they're they're taking the babyest steps possible, but baby steps are are steps in themselves. So I appreciate yeah, them I at like, least doing something. I like that rule. I think uh, I think that would encourage a lot more action, and you'd potentially have since they can't use the pickoff, they're probably going to be using like pitch outs much more frequently and trying to like bait the runners into trying to steal knowing they can do a pitch out. So all of which are, are exciting plays for baseball. Anytime people are trying to steal, that's good for the game. I think, cause it, it creates excitement. So mm-hmm. I like that rule change. Let's uh, I'm excited to see. This is a great part. And what we've been saying, just see what it does. We don't know exactly how it's right. going to play just out. Test what it out. Yeah. But let's see. And then the last one, robot umps. Do we know, are they going to say, Nobody on base, do you have to keep a catcher back there? Because immediately I just think I would just pull the catcher and put another player in the field if there's a robot ump. And just have him winging it to the backstop? Yeah, because if there's nobody on base, what does it matter? It's still a strike. Yeah, I guess so. You can you can put him, like, even in foul territory or something if, like, you know a guy's just going to – I don't know if that will play into the uh, the shifting, but it will all be a different level, so – yeah, that would make sense if you took the catcher and put him somewhere else. Uh, would he? Keep, would the catcher keep all of his gear on while he's running out to the field? Probably just shins. Shins. Yeah, like just. I think you lose shed, the Yeah, shed the chest protector and helmet real quick, and then just run out there, uh, like in between third and short or something. Yeah, it would be. It'd be interesting for <laughs> sure. Yeah, because, I mean, if, if your catcher can play infield, then you throw one of your infielders back into the outfield, right? If there's, like, so you can kind of do it based on the strength what of the hitter. What you could do is put the catcher at, what I would do is put the catcher at first base and then move, like, depending on how athletic your first baseman is, you then you could move the first baseman to a different position. Right. But honestly, I mean, there's a lot of, a lot of these big league catchers, especially nowadays, are pretty good, pretty good athletes, so. Yeah. Yeah. That that would be awesome, actually. I mean, I, I would I would kind of enjoy if uh, there's just he's just throwing it to an empty void. You know, like you think the pitcher would just would be, like be demand? Hit. Yeah, I, that was just that was my next thing. That'd be very hard to throw a strike to a guy where you have no point of reference at all, and you're just like, man, I guess the hopefully the robot knows what he's doing here. Yeah, I, I wonder if pitchers <laughs> would have have like a really hard time throwing a strike because think about it, you've never thrown not to a target so yeah if there was like yeah. just a cone there though i would be all for it i'd be like yeah put the put the catcher in the infield and i'm i'm just ripping right at this cone here for sure for sure so that's cool we got some interesting rule changes in minor league baseball uh kudos to baseball for being a little bit proactive here and the great part about this is literally nobody gives a shit of who wins games in the minor leagues yep. so there's no downside baseball. Again, we keep saying it. I think you guys are starting to see it a little yeah, bit. Yeah, they're catching but, on. They've been listening. 
if these rules turn out to be the dumbest rules ever and you guys hit us back with, oh, well, there's all these loopholes that you didn't think of or this changes the game there, guess what? It's not a big deal. You just say, okay, was a, we tried something and it didn't work. That's that's totally fine. So Yes, no like, wins or like losses were affected in the rule change. <laughs> exactly. You know, little disclaimer. For sure. Yeah, I think that sums it up. So the mystery guest that we promised you, uh, we had a little scheduling conflict, but we will be interviewing him Monday and be posting that. So get ready for that. I think you're going to like it. Uh, he's coached. I'll, I'll give you a little bit of a hint. He's a, He's been a coach. He's been a player for over 15 or 14 years and been in the, in the major leagues uh, coaching, scouting, and playing for 28 now. So a lot of experience. We're going to hear from him. We've got some good questions for him. And if you're a young ball player, uh, college, high school, anything lower than that, you're going to want to listen to this guy. He's, he knows exactly uh, keys, keys to success for you and your career. So we're excited for that interview. We, we hope you appreciate it today. Haim, you got anything else? No, guys, if you're a baseball fan, baseball player, if you're involved in the game of baseball in, in any way, you're not going to want to miss this next interview that we have coming. Um, I, I really think it's going to be huge, and you guys are going to love it. In the meantime, keep the rally caps on. Keep sharing it with your friends. Let's keep pushing this forward, fellas. Thank you. All right. Have a good weekend.